Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 75 of Meet Us at Molly's. We're continuing our trip down memory lane tonight, today. You'll be listening to this on Friday, so today. Uh, Yeah, we'll be continuing our trip down memory lane. This time it's going to be Chicago Fire with a little bit of Chicago Med sprinkled in. This is season three, episode 19, entitled I Am the Apocalypse, a.k.a. this is the Med backdoor pilot. Cool. Yes. Yes. So, as always, we like to start with the news, and we're starting to get a lot. It's starting to, like, really kick up, because we're getting closer and closer to the season. We hit the one-month mark last weekend. We're getting super close, and as soon as y'all know it, it's going to be September 26th, and we're just going to be, like, live-tweeting and crying our hearts out. Yep. So ready, so not ready, but still so ready. Yes. So, Bryna, will you please take us through the first bit of news? Yeah. So, like Gina said, we're getting a bunch of news starting to pile in, especially episode titles. So, some of these are older. Like, some of the med ones I actually found that apparently they came out a couple weeks ago. Don't know how we missed them. But there's a bunch of med ones, and then there's a new fire one, a new PD one. So, let's go through the med ones first. So, we have the first five episode titles for med. So, episode one of season four is going to be called Be My Better Half. Interesting. We'll come to that in a second. Episode two, when to let go. Episode three, heavy is the head. Episode four, backed against the wall. And episode five, what you don't know. Okay, if Be My Better Half is something that Will says to Nat, I'm going to dissolve into Uh, just a puddle. It's got to be about Will and Nat, though, right? But does Will say it to Nat or vice versa? Oh, God. If Will says it to Nat, like you said, oh. Like, and I can see it, too. Like, it's definitely an outside the hospital scene because that just seems to be their place, like, outside the hospital. Or maybe it's, like, an extended part of the proposal scene. Like, once we come back to them, he stands up and he's like, be my better half. And we're all just going to dissolve into giant puddles of feelings yeah yeah and then reminder that when to let go that's the name of the med part of the crossover oh i really hope that doesn't have anything to do with papa halstead i feel like it does though son of a bitch i know i know and then like we said so we have three more heavy as the head back against the wall what you don't know so then we've got a fire title so episode five of fire is called a volatile mixture interesting so i'm guessing there's a chemical spill in that episode there's always a chemical spill somewhere right (laughs) um and then and we've got episode four of pd and that is called right along Sweet. Yeah, so those are all the episode titles we've gotten so far. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so ready. I'm just, let's go. Like, 
We should be getting episode descriptions pretty soon. I know. Oh my god, that's crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, pretty soon we're going to have the descriptions for the crossover and we're just going to be like freaking out about it. We'll be blowing up each other's text messages. <sighs> like, yeah. I know. Oh my god. That it's crossover the most description. Wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I was so cuz I got I think I told you like I got a new phone over the weekend when I was home and like I, like, all of a sudden, there was, like, all these old things that started popping up from, like, my iCloud and whatever that, like, when I transferred stuff over, and there were, like, all these episode descriptions that started popping up. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Where did these come from? But obviously, I know where they came from, but, like, I was like, what? I thought I definitely deleted these, but I guess not from my iCloud or whatever. I don't know. I never knew that it was possible to be ready and not ready for something at the same time. Like... Yes, I'm like, come back, but don't come back. But no, come back. <laughs> it's like, yeah. come back, but don't hurt my feelings, but come back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So another bit of news we got, we got the po- the first bit of, like, I guess it's the first bit of key art, but we got the promotional poster for the upcoming seasons. Oh my god, it's so good. It's really yeah. good, but someone on Twitter pointed out, and I don't remember what it is, that apparently the only one that features new pictures this year is Fire. That Meds and PD's pictures on the poster are the same. But Fire, you That's can tell that they're new pictures because Kara's hair is cut. Yes, Kara's hair is indeed cut. Um, another thing that is important to note there, there's no Dr. Reese in the Med art. And a lot of people are freaking out about that. Yeah, there's a lot of Sarah Reese fans out there in the interwebs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hope that doesn't mean anything and that she'll still be around. Yeah, I do too. You never really know. But also the Med account posted the other day, they posted a picture of Dr. Reese and Dr. Charles. And the caption was something about, like, there's going to be a lot of tension between these two in the new season. Right. So I don't know if they're just trying to fake us out or... I don't know. But, yeah, I just thought it was interesting um, that, like, apparently, I guess, Fire has taken pictures and maybe PD and Med just haven't. I don't know. I'm just surprised that they've they would put key art out without, like, the, I think, I would think that they would either use all old pictures or all new pictures. But, you know, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I think they're actually right about that because these Fire pictures look new but then I, I, this PD portion of it, I definitely remember, you know, I, like these, these, they're all staring off into the distance is basically what's happening. Which was last year's. But, which was last year's. Cause I remember the one of Burgess. Yeah. We, us all being like, holy shit, she looks so badass. And now we're just like, that's the same shot as last year. Right. But right. obviously you can tell, I mean, regardless, you can tell that, like I said, that you can tell the fire ones are new just because of Kara's haircut. Like, you can well, tell those Miranda's are- looks old. I think Miranda's was the one she took last year. I have to pull it up again. I don't have it pulled up, but... Um, Interesting. And Ava's included on the med one. Right. Yeah, I mean... I don't, I, know. I don't know. That was just what someone on Twitter had pointed out, and I was like, oh. Like, the PD ones definitely look familiar, but the fire ones don't. So I was like, I right. Whatever. Doesn't matter regardless, it's still a badass poster and it still makes me very excited that they're all going to be on the same night. 
which is the that point of the so poster. Because we know we're going to get key art later on for, like, each individual show, but that's not the point yeah. of the poster. The point of the poster is to promote Chicago Wednesdays. So, like, Indeed. it does its job regardless. Yeah, and I mean, if you haven't seen the poster, we posted it because we were just dying over it, but... Across the top, it just says Chicago in, like, big letters. And then it says, one city, one family, one night. And, like, I saw that poster and I was like, can I, like, Photoshop myself into this? Because this is amazing. <laughs> like, this is yeah. so badass. I love it so much. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's so good. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome. But, yeah. And the PD kids I know were just shooting. They, had, like, just had their promo shoot the other day. Because Marina had posted that Instagram video with Tracy where they were just goofing off and, like, dancing. and The one to I'm Too Sexy. Oh, it was so great. I laughed so hard. They have been on point this season with all their behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, today, yeah. I don't even yes. know what was happening today with the sword. And I, I don't even know. I wasn't able to watch any of those with sound today. Today being Wednesday. So today they were posting all the, the PD kids were posting all the pictures with like the sword and the stone and like Tracy had armor. It was just, I don't even know. But they're so funny. Oh my God. Their social media game is on point. They're, yeah, they know how to deliver good social media content. They're so funny. They are so, so funny. But yeah, so the last bit of news that we got, and we'll probably spend a good amount of time talking about this, but we got an Us Weekly article. This was a couple of days ago. So this was an article from Emily Wonkaretta. She's doing the job this season with already getting all the content. I'm, I mean, I was already a big fan of Emily's, but like, she's killing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. She's, yeah, she's on her one Chicago game. So she had a little chat with all of the showrunners. So, you know, Ide from PD, the two from Med, whose names escape me right now. I'm For really love sorry about that. For Love and Schneider. I'm looking Bingo. at it. And our good friend Derek Haas from Fire. And the key thing to note about this, and this was like the caption in the headline, is that two people will be, and I quote, romantically linked in intelligence. All I'm saying is give me Berzik or give me nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got, it's, it's got. It's long overdue. I mean, it's got to be Berzik. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be Berzik, but like, it's got to be Berzik, right? I would say so based on the scoop that Marina gave us. I was just about to tweet. say that. Yeah. But Marina also comes from the Derek Haas school of trolling. Right. So... I want to believe it. Okay, well, here's my – here's what I – okay. Here's why I'm cautious and, like, obviously I want it to be Berzik. I want it to be Berzik so bad. But here's where I'm kind of confused. So in the same paragraph where it's talking about that, new romances, like, right after the quote from Ide, it says, Ruzik and Upton will also be having, quote, problems with each other, end quote, dealing with the events of last season. First of all, why would that be in the new romances part? Like, why is that in the new romances paragraph? Second of all, wouldn't they mean Antonio? Like, Upton, I don't think, like, why would Upton have a problem with Ruzik? I mean, it's not the first time they've clashed. But, I mean, if we're talking about dealing with the events of last season, Ruzik and Antonio were the ones that were having issues at the end of last season. And in that deleted scene, Ruzik was confronting Antonio about, like, what went down in Antonio's meeting. And Ruzik was 
not happy. It was such a good confrontation. I really wish they hadn't deleted that. I know, but, like, I, so at first I was like, well, duh, they mean Ruzikin and Antonio. Like, I don't know why they mean Upton. But then it's in the new romances paragraph. I can't imagine a world where Upzik is a thing. Right, I can't either, but, like, I, I just don't understand. Like, maybe this was, maybe that was the only place they thought to put it. Because every, like, each other's, like, subsequent paragraph is about the different show. Yeah, maybe they were just dishing on all the new PD stuff maybe, in one paragraph. And, they just, and Emily, the way Emily decided to put her article together, put it in the new romance paragraph. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting placement. Again, I could be reading way too much into this. But, like, it's, you know, I don't know. And, like I said, I was just confused. It's plausible to me that Ruzik and Upton will clash, but I'd rather see Ruzik and Antonio continue their issues from last season. Right. I 100% agree with that. I, I don't know. But I don't I want it to be Ruzik against the world in season six. I don't want that. I don't think it'll ever be Ruzik against the world. I don't think... I I think because of the bonds that he has with both Atwater and Burgess, whether Bur- his... Bro- link with Burgess is romantic or not like I don't think they might be mad at him but I don't think they ever let him get to the point where it's Ruzik against the world I would hope not especially since it would be Ruzik against the world for the sake of Ruzik batting for another person it would just be Ruzik supporting Voight and that's why it would be Ruzik against everyone else I, I just wouldn't like that yeah 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 no but Again, I think I'm reading way too much into this, but if someone else reads thinks they are also reading way much too much into this, let me know. Yeah, yeah. So we also got a med and fire scoop. I want to go through those, but then I want to circle back to PD for a minute because, yeah, I have more feelings on that. Um, so on med, Will is both happy and sad in the season premiere. Okay. Uh, yeah, what does that happy mean? and sad. I, I I mean, it doesn't have to do with his dad, because that's going to happen in 402. Right. It says they move forward, but there's a lot of stumbling along the way. So, I, I mean, and I feel like we all know, like, we all kind of saw that Med accidentally spoiled their own season, and we all saw the ring on Natalie's, a.k.a. Tori's finger. I mean, yeah. I, I think we're all pretty confident that they probably get engaged, so I'm assuming that's the happy part. And I also don't understand why um, Diane Frolov would be saying they move forward, forward, but there's a lot of stumbling along if they weren't engaged. But I could be wrong. It's almost concerning that she says yes to me, because if she says yes that easily, there's no way in hell they're getting married. They're not going to make it to the altar. Oh, I don't see them making it to the altar at this point. I think that's like a season six thing. That's like a, that's like a, they get together right now and then they break up again eventually at some point and then they get back together. Like they still have one more time to break up before they get together for good. Bingo. So just to clarify, that is not us shitting on Manstead. We love us some Manstead. That's just us having seen Burzik and what they've been through. 
Oh, and that's just us having seen all of television and, like, mm-hmm. know the different patterns of the way they, like, television writers like to put ships together. Even the royal couples have gone through this shit, okay? So, like, we have examples IRL in real life. <laughs> Will and Kate broke up for a little bit, and then they were like, no, we need to be together forever. Yeah, they did. They did break up Justin for Timberlake and Jessica Biel did it, too, so... They did? <laughs> Yeah, they did. They were broken up for a little bit? A little bit. Interesting. I don't think I knew that one. I'm, I mean, it was a long time ago, but Yeah, yes, and now they're happy with bit. a kid, so it doesn't matter, but still. happy with a kid, and Justin is just doing Justin things and tearing it up. But this is not a Justin Timberlake podcast as much as I would love to host one, because I love Justin Timberlake. But Can I drop in point. a quick random royal thing real quick that I meant to text you about this afternoon? Yes, please do. Did you see on Twitter, they had some, like, Hamilton fundraiser over in London with the Weston cast. Did you see the, like, two-second clip of Harry singing You'll Be Back at the before he started a speech? I'm not even kidding. I watched that, like, two minutes before we started <laughs> recording. Oh, so good. Yes. So good. Yes, so good. So good. Ugh. We do love the royals. We are we are royal family trash. Oh yes, we are definitely royal family trash. <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> I would like to segue and be like, speaking of the royal family, let's talk about Dossie. But that does not work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> it's so sad. But yeah, the the port the fire portion of the article was pretty much what we already know that you know Casey's gonna be just sad and confused and he's going to kind of mimic how the rest of us are feeling about the the Dawson issue and yeah that's that's about it for the fire portion I will say Um, though we had talked when we were talking about the sneak peek like one of the things I was concerned about was that I said I hope they address like how long it's been like how quick she left like how it actually happened and Derek seems to say that there will be talk of like how quick it out how quick she left and how long it's been since she actually left. And so I feel confident that we're going to get those missing pieces filled in, which makes me somewhat happy. That, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> we're happy that Casey's suffering. Yeah, no, exactly. Not. He doesn't deserve it, damn it. But yeah. And we um we got an email this week from friend of the pod, Perry, who we love very much. And one of the things Perry said, she was like, I fully expect to have a dark Casey this season. And I I mean, as much as I don't want to see Dark Casey, I'm also just like, Yes, please. Give me angsty Casey. Oh, I'm so here for I I mean, it again, it's like a double-edged sword like I don't want to see angsty Casey because that means Casey's angsty and sad and depressed and whatever but like yeah the person who loves like good character development and like good writing and you know like the television nerd in me is like yes give me angsty Casey yes like all of the angst like just give it to me right 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 so, yeah, that's the Us Weekly article. I do want to circle back to PD, though, because on Tuesday of this past week, I had a little bit of an epiphany while sitting in the middle of a work meeting because I seem to have all my best one Chicago thoughts in the middle of work meetings. You do. <laughs> it's not a good look. It, yeah. And so another part of this article had mentioned that, you know, we're going to pick up on PD basically the morning after you know, Voight has killed Olinsky's killer. 
And it dawned on me. I was like, okay, well, wait. And all of the things that happened in the PD finale, I forgot that Voight killed Al's killer. Yeah, it's kind of the least important part of the episode, which is crazy, but it's the least important part. Yeah, and it's so easy for that to get lost in the shuffle. And as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, my God, wait a second. So it's like history is repeating itself. So has did Voight not learn anything from losing Al? That, you know, this cycle of getting vengeance by killing is probably not the best idea? I don't think it's that. Because obviously, I think he probably knows deep, deep, deep down there that it's not the best idea. But, like, when it comes down to it, like, Al and Justin are two of the most important people in his life to him. And... He just doesn't know of any other way to get justice. Okay. Then with that said, I mean, he's a cop, so he understands the justice system. But why does he feel like he's almost above it? I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I think that's just the way Voight has always played and I think it's part of the reason why he had no problem like early season one when we got introduced to him and he was playing he was you know felt okay comfortable playing dirty and accepting that deal I think that's part of it is because he knows that for whatever reason he can get away with it I mean he fits the definition of a vigilante does he not yeah by definition yes He's like an extremely dark, older version of Arrow. Minus Felicity and the bow and arrow. You're not wrong. He is a version. I mean, a very different version. But at the same, I mean, at the same time, like, it is the same idea of, like, killing as a way to eliminate people who've done bad in the city. And if you think about it, every time a member of intelligence or someone close to him has passed, he's kind of attempted to carry out the same fate. I mean, okay, when Jin died, we'll take it back to season one. When Jin died, the internal affairs guy just magically turned up dead. I mean, come on. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Didn't he? I swear he did. In 201? No? No, I. he's not dead. No, the internal affairs guy is dead. I'm fairly certain he is. Still will? Yeah, I thought so. No, because they go get him at the fancy club thing or whatever. No, he's not dead. Oh, fuck. I could have sworn they killed him. No, because isn't that where Jay, like, they go, like, they get him, Voight tries to kill him, and isn't that one of the first instances where Jay is like, what the fuck is going on here? I thought that only happened with Pulpo when Hank and Al were going to kill Pulpo together. Or maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But that's another case in point is Pulpo. How they were like, you know, he he fucked with Antonio. He kidnapped his kid and then he shot him for like, you know, the 15th time. Poor Antonio has been shot way too many times. And that was going to happen. But Jay stopped him. Yeah, there's been I mean, there's been a lot of instances where Void has tried to kill. Yeah, which I, I just, 
it's one of those things where I thought about it in a different light and was like, holy shit, there's so much more to unpack here. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. So that's that's one of my looming questions for season six is why does Voight feel like he's above the law, but nobody else is? I don't know. That's a great question. I'd love to hear Jason Begay's response to that. Right, right. And if I had no self-control, I probably would have popped up in my work meeting the other day and been like, I need to interview Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my newest like burning question. That's so interesting. Crazy. Just blows my mind. I Like then, you said, I mean, I, it is so forgotten that Voight technically killed the guy that killed Al. Well, and then... And then the new question is, is he trying to repeat the cycle now with Adam? Is he trying to make Adam his new Al? Or is he trying to make Adam his new Aaron? Holy shit. So I almost feel like he'd be more of an Aaron than an Al. Like, no one's going to be Al. Not that anyone could be Aaron either, but, like, I think he'd be asking Adam more of an Aaron responsibility in terms of, like, covering for him and helping him rather than Al. Right. And that's, I mean, speaking of Aaron, the whole Yates thing, too, is I feel like Voight would have killed him when he killed Nadia if Olivia had not been in town. Because Olivia is so by the book. Yeah, probably would have. Man, so many questions. Also, while we're talking about Aaron, can I tell the story of how I accidentally spoiled my mom on season five of PD? (laughs) Yes, please do. Okay, so I was home for a couple days well for like 48 hours over the weekend and my mom i think we've talked about it a little bit here but my mom's been watching pd and like all the reruns on i don't know which channel she technically watches them on but she's been watching them and she was talking about how i guess they started airing a commercial or something talking about like season five is coming i don't know i want to say like september 9th or like something like that but it's coming in the next couple weeks and so my mom was like I'm really excited. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, whatever. And I just wasn't even thinking about the fact that season four ends with, like, Aaron on the bridge, like, trying to decide what she's going to do. I was just... He was going to propose, Bryna. I was just... No, I was just thinking about trying to, like, emotionally prepare my mom because we all knew that Sophia was leaving before season five aired. And so I was trying to have my mom go into the same mindset of, like, what we all knew. And she was like, what? She's like, I'm so upset right now. I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to spoil it for you. Like, I swear I didn't mean to. But, like, I was trying to tell her, like, about Sophia. She's like, you can't call them actor names. She's like, I only know them by their character names. It was like, Aaron. She's like, no. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I did not mean to spoil that for you. My bad. I mean, did you tell her that you really did her a favor so she's not completely blindsided when Jay walks into well, the apartment? Well, I was trying to tell her, I was trying to also tell her that, like, season five is a very different season than the previous seasons, but it's still really good. And I was like, you know, and that's when I kind of went in and, like, accidentally spoiled her. So, yeah, I was kind of trying to prepare her for season five being a very different season, but it was still really good. But, like... Yeah, it backfired on me. You you did her a favor. She just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, I know. And it's just so funny, too, because, like, she only watches PD because she it's the only one in syndication. So 
I'm trying to maybe eventually get, I'm like, mom, you should just buy like, see, you know, fire on, you know, iTunes or whatever, but she hasn't gotten that far yet. Man. I know. Yeah. But know. yeah, it was just funny. I was like, oh shit, my bad. Didn't mean to spoil you, mom. Sorry. See, and my mom is the opposite. Like, she knows actor names just because she always listens to me talk. And plus, like, Sophia Bush, hi, One Tree Hill. Well, see, my mom, like, I was... We're on to a great start. See, I was watching... Like, my mom, I think, maybe in the back of her mind, knows I was watching One Tree Hill because she was buying me the season DVDs. But, like, I don't think I ever really talked about actor names. So, like, I don't think she would have known. I think the only show that I've ever watched that she would have known actor names was Glee. Because I was, like, so obsessed with it. And I was talking about everything 24-7. But she knows character names really well. Like, even with Grey's and everything. Like, she would always know character names, but never actor names. Which I'm okay with. <laughs> we can still have a conversation about it, so that's all I care about. Awesome. I love it. So funny. I love it. So... But, yeah, that's about all the news we have. As always, guys, you know, if you see anything... Please send it to us. It's just two of us. There's a whole big internet. Sometimes we miss things. We love when you guys send us news because sometimes you do send us news that we're like, oh, we didn't know this. So please tweet it to us, email us, however you want to get it to us. We do appreciate that. So I believe it is time to jump into the episode. Shall we, Bryna? Let's do this. Oh, man. I'm so excited for this. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I have feels. Okay, so this is Chicago Fire Season 3, Episode 19, entitled I Am the Apocalypse. This is the Med Backdoor Pilot. Now, before we jump in, we had something for this episode that we've never had for any episodes we've covered before. We had the script. We have a script. It's different. I don't think it's a final version. Because clearly no. it's not because there's a bunch of differences, but we do have a script. Yes. And you guys would be surprised because, I mean, you can pretty much just Google, you know, insert show name here, script, and things will come up. Isn't that you? how you found this one? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just some simple Googling. I mean, yeah. It's not, just, yeah, it's not like some someone sent Googling. it to us, so. Right. And, I mean, okay, I'm the script nerd of the bunch. We know that. But... Bryna, is are, the scripts aren't they like the best thing ever? Oh my god, this one was so much fun. I mean, I've I've never been as big of a script nerd as Gina. Like Gina's like the script nerd. Like she wants to write one and all that stuff. But I do enjoy reading them, and I've read some before. Mm-hmm. But I've never read a fire one or PD one or med one or whatever. And so this one was really interesting. And we're, I mean, we've sprinkled it throughout our outline, and I have a bunch of things highlighted. Like I went back the last time I watched this yesterday. And went through and read the script as I was watching. I was even more listening than watching just so I could see the differences. And it's so fascinating because there's a ton. There are some really big differences, which we're going to talk about. But there's even just like minor line differences. And I'm like, oh, that line wasn't said, but that's a funny one. Like, why wasn't that in there or whatever? So it's fun. It's almost like having the book and the movie handy and it's like anytime you know it's like with the hunger games or twilight or any book that's been adapted into a movie where you know the movie explains the how but the book explains the why it's yeah (laughs) i'm yeah and so it's like they they, the book is just always able to go into more depth yeah and so yeah and so watching this 
side by side with the script if there was something where I was like, wait a second, I just caught this supremely small detail to be able to consult the script and look at the scene and be like, was that supposed to be something that I noticed? I mean, it's just it's awesome. It's it's literally like having the book and the movie side by side. Just Well, it was so funny because even with the script, I've never gone back like I've read scripts before, but I've never gone back and like watched it simultaneously. So even lines that made it in and that were like, you know, major lines there were some instances where I noticed that just, like, the inversion of words, like, the general idea of the line was said and delivered the same way, but there'd be, like, little inversions of lines, and I couldn't tell if that was just, like, in a final script, and so this was, like, a, the lines had changed, or that was just, like, the actors slightly improving because they maybe couldn't remember the exact wording of the line or whatever, but it was just so fascinating. Like, I loved yeah. it. It was great. Yeah, so fascinating. It's just awesome. Yeah, and so, I mean, we have the script here. So throughout the outline, we've got a lot of things, like, sprinkled in here. Because there, there are scenes that, you know, you, you get the gravity of it. You're like, oh, yeah, this scene is, you know, kind of powerful. But then you read the writing of the action, and you're like, oh, that's what they meant. Well, and there's some scenes, like, a bunch of the PD stuff that was sprinkled in, in the out in the script, it takes place later on. But in the actual mm-hmm. final episode, it has been moved up. So, like, little things like that, too, that, like, obviously you wouldn't notice just, like, watching it. But, like, until you see the script and realize, like, oh, well, that would have been an interesting placement for this. But, like, little things like that. Um, and the whole ending of the episode is kind of different, which I'm really excited to talk about, so... Yeah, and I mean, it's a hard job they've got, y'all. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a hard, hard job that they have. Yeah, but I'm so excited to guide these characters along. But yeah, no, it, it's the best. Yes, it's it's the best. So we've sprinkled it throughout. But okay, so we start the episode, and fifty one speeds to a chemical spill. Now, the chemical spill is anhydrous ammonia. I happen to know how bad this is, and I'm going to let Bryna guess from what show I know that, like, I know why this is so bad from what show. What show did I learn where anhydrous ammonia is so bad? I talk about it all the time, and you roll your eyes every time. Canadian Cop Show? Canadian Cop Show! <laughs> I was either yes. going to guess that. What was the thing in Station 19? What was that? Oh, the ethanol spill? Oh, that's what it was. It was ethanol. Was it ethanol when they couldn't see the flames and then they turned the lights off and it was all blue? Yeah, 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 yeah. The whole spill on the side of the road. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, that was cool. But no, it was the Canadian Cop Show. The Canadian Cop Show, which has a name, by the way. Flashpoint. Um, it's called Flashpoint. And Brandon needs to watch it. I just, li- I just like referring to it as Canadian Cop Show. Yeah, it's just easier. But yeah, so when I when the guy was like, oh, it's anhydrous ammonia, I was like, oh, that's bad. But I only know that from Flashpoint. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. So yeah, um, aside from everybody else trapped inside this building, there are two workers that are stranded on the roof. And so Casey and Severide go up and like the windows blow out at one point and they find that the ladder is not long enough. So they literally just clip on an extension like it's a piece of hair. It's like they got a ladder from Ikea and just slotted it into place. And it's like no big deal. Yeah. Just, yeah, no problem. Just an extension cord. Teeny little ladder. I we would got be this. freaking the fuck out because it's not a part of the original ladder. So I would feel that it's not stable. But I also have an issue with heights and all kinds of things. So I would just be freaking the fuck out. But yeah, crazy. 
I mean, I don't think I would trust a ladder that big slash long slash high slash, you know. I just, I have a bunch of fears when it comes to heights and things not being stable and yada, yada, yada. So I would be freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, I I would be with you. So Casey and Sever, I'd get the guy. They quickly realize that they don't have enough Ambos. So Truck 81, Squad 3, and Ambo 61, they agree to just transport the victims themselves. So it's interesting. So in this first scene, we already have a difference from the script. So in the script, as they're on the way to the spill at this factory or whatever it is, Severide is supposed to see his, like, first flash of Shay. So in the script, it says, and now we see he's looking in his side, talking about Severide, and now we see he's looking in his side view mirror at Ambo 61 behind him. From his position, he can see Shay riding shotgun. He sits up when he... And when he blinks, it's Brett. It's one of those moments that sneak up on you. Thinking of a lost loved one, he rolls his head around to around his neck a little, exhales, shaking it off as they roll up to the fire or whatever. So we're already... I never noticed that! We're already supposed to have our first flash of Shay, and we don't, which is interesting. Because there's a bunch of other flashes of Shay that are supposed to happen in this episode that don't. And that makes the Shay flashes throughout the episode make so much more sense. It's supposed to be a whole thing that, like, even before he got, you know, hit by this grenade, that he was already supposed to be seeing Shay that day. I never noticed that bit of action, and that makes me, like, so feelsy. I'm like, oh! I know. It breaks my heart. Well, and, like I said, like I said, I read the script very closely. It's supposed – Shay is supposed to pop up, like, a good solid, I want to say, like, two or three more times than she actually does. Ooh. Like, this whole episode is about supposed to be about Severide seeing Shay, and it doesn't – but, yeah. So, already, we're one scene in, and we already have, A, a change, and, B, we're supposed to be seeing more Shay than we got. Man, that's crazy. So we then cut to Jay's apartment. This is maybe what the only time we've ever had a scene on fire with two fire or two characters that are not on fire. Except maybe the PD backdoor pilot. But yes, maybe. Yeah. So I want to say there was probably a scene or two in the PD backdoor pilot. But in fact, I know there's mm-hmm. a scene in the PD backdoor pilot because there were the scenes of Scott Eastwood, and I can't remember the girl's name, when they were, like, chasing mm-hmm. down the suspects. Like, those don't have any fire characters in them. Um, hashtag never forget that Scott Eastwood was in the PD backdoor pilot. I know. Crazy. Man. We could have had Scott Eastwood on PD. I'll take Jesse Lee Soffer any day. But, yes. I will, too. I will, too, actually. Yes, I will, too. I'm very happy with the men that we got, so I'm okay. Oh, But, yes, yes Scott Eastwood happy. would have also been a great option. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. So we cut to Jay's apartment where he is met by a random girl in his underwear. In her underwear, not his. (laughs) I've been drinking wine already, guys. Sorry. Yeah, he's met by some random girl in her underwear. So he's just like, hi. And yeah, he he hands her his cup of coffee because he's a gentleman like that. And she leaves to do the walk of shame. And Will comes in and he and Will talk. So we get our first glimpse of the Halstead family past in this conversation. But yeah, okay, so we have some notable bits from this conversation. So one being that Will is planning on quitting on his first day. 
because that sounds like a great strategy. Um, number two, Jay only drinks almond milk. He doesn't strike me as that type. Uh, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Jay's lactose intolerant, but we don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, I thought that was funny because I, I would have figured based on what we knew at Will at that point that like Will would be the one that would be like, you don't have almond milk. You only have regular milk. Yeah, but... Will would have seemed like the more nitpicky one, but... Yeah, it just doesn't seem like a J thing, but I don't know. No. There's an, there's another question for if we ever get to interview Jesse again. Is Jay lactose intolerant? <laughs> it seems like a fan fiction version of J thing, but not a canon version of J thing. No. <laughs> I feel like Jesse would look at us and be like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> He's like, where the fuck did that come from? It's like right, episode, right. season three, episode 19 of Chicago Fire. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much uh, we also got a very important tidbit of dialogue that is like kind of the first bit we get as to their their issues with their father so jay says something about like hey why don't you try to see this through and will says you sound like the old man and jay just goes there it is he's like that's why you're blowing out of town again isn't it and will just looks at him and goes what do you care but that's so interesting because this makes it seem like will has the problem with their father and that jay is kind of a carbon copy of their father just based on this one little line and that's obviously very different than everything we've ever heard right right interesting it's 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 the opposite really because i mean it was supposed to be that you know they they tried to make it seem like will had the issues and jay didn't but really on the flip side will got along with his father jay hadn't spoken to him in years yeah, and then there's the whole med version, which, who knows? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And we'll, we should circle back to the uh, fire sneak peek before we finish recording tonight, because there's, there's some other notable things in there that I caught. Yeah. On second, third, whatever watch. So, yeah. So, meanwhile, we cut back to Chicago Med. April is in action, because we've only seen her opposite severide at this point and oh man um we also need to take a moment to appreciate april and severide at some point in this episode yes i freaking loved them yeah so good yeah so so good so we see april in action and then we finally get to meet hannah hannah hannah's dr tramble basically will finds her in the break room so here is how the script describes her. Brianna, do you want to read this a little bit? Yeah. So the script describes Hannah. They give us character descriptions for each of the new med characters that we're meeting. Besides April, since we had already met her in previous fire episodes. So mm -hmm. Tramble's description is, Tramble is fearless. She grew up with a truck driver father and a mother who got slapped around. Since her mother refused to go to a hospital, Hannah would patch her up, which fostered her love for medicine. There's a dark secret in that family tree when her father never showed up to drive his truck one day. Disappeared. Stanford educated on a scholarship. Tough as nails. She's a beast in surgery. So it sounds to me like, because, I mean, obviously, um, who's the actress who played her? Damn it. I can't remember her name. Um, I'll look it up. Crap. Lori something? I don't think I've ever known, but I will Google this real quick. Damn it. Her name escapes me. Ugh. Damn it. But obviously she signed on to do the backdoor pilot. She was going to do Chicago Med and then she decided not to. 
Is that what happened? Later on. Yeah, she decided to back out from the project. Um, Interesting. You know, it's fine. It's life. Yeah, and so she backed out. And so it sounds to me like they took this character description and tweaked it a little bit. And I feel like that's maybe how we got Connor Rhodes. The circumstances are sort of similar. Sort of. Um, The actress's name is Lori Holden. Ah, I knew it was Lori something. Okay, I was close. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you think about it, so there's a mystery with her family that her father just disappeared. There's a mystery with Connor's mom's suicide. Yeah, I guess. So I, I, it seems to me like they took her description and just kind of made some minor changes and turned her into Connor. But Connor obviously has a lot of different, I mean, differences. I mean, Connor's background otherwise, like Connor didn't grow up with a truck driver mother and, I mean, father and, you know, mother. Like he grew up in a wealthy family. Um, yeah. You know, still unclear about, I mean, he ended up going overseas and doing some, like, pro bono work and you know came back and so there are definitely differences I mean I understand where you're coming from and I would assume that I mean because she's the trauma surgeon that I mean obviously Rhodes is the one that replaced her or is the character that kind of came out of that but Mm -hmm. still I wonder if we would have even gotten Rhodes if Dr. Trample had stuck around I feel like probably just because from this she probably would have been the Natalie. Like, I don't think we would have gotten Natalie. Really? I, yeah. Interesting. I don't feel like we would have gotten Natalie. Because if you think about characters otherwise that we added on, we added on Reese. And Reese was the student. So Re- that kind of made sense. Like, they needed, they felt like they needed to add a student aspect to it. So they added on Reese. Mm-hmm. They replaced the girl who's barely even had a role um, that became Maggie, the administrative yeah. nurse person, the head charge mm-hmm. nurse. That's what the word I'm looking for. Um, we already had Goodwin. We already had Dr. Charles. We already had Will. And we already had we April. Have Choi. Right. I don't know. I just don't see if they kept Tramble. I don't see them keep adding Natalie in. That's interesting. I would have thought they would have added Rhodes or Choi before they would have added Natalie if we had kept Tramble. But I don't know. I feel like Tramble and Connor would have had a really good working relationship. Ooh, that begs the question, too. If we if Tramble had stuck around, would we still have gotten Dr. Becker? Oh, no. Man. Well, and I think, I mean, we all know, I mean, the Becker thing is like, it was supposed to be a very short stint and then... um. Why can I not think of the actress who plays her name? Why can I not think of her? Norma? Norma. That's, I was going to call her a but that is not the case. Norma, like, kept killing it, and they were like, oh, well, you want to keep her on longer. So, no, we yeah. definitely would not have gotten Becker. Man. I know. It's always fun to play what if. I know. Crazy. But so crazy. in this scene where we meet Tramble and Will comes in and whatever, obviously they have a little back-and-forth banter. But there's some stuff from the script that is eliminated. So when Will and Hannah are talking, Will mentioned, this is where Will mentioned, Will has mentioned that he was in New York for 10 years, but that never makes it into the episode. But he also went to med school in New York. Right. But the fact, 
but anyway, what I was going to say, so then Hannah asks him, like, what brought him back to Chicago, and he, in the script, this doesn't make it in the episode, um, and he's like, oh, I'm asking myself the same question. So this begs the, begs the question that we've always kind of been floating around is, like, how old is Will, and, like, what exactly is Will's medical background? So, because if he's, t- if he's at this point, at this pilot, had been in New York for 10 years, he's either 20 eight or 32 i'm willing to go with 32 so he didn't go to undergrad in new york maybe not that because that's what it's always either he went straight out of high school and like went to undergrad in new york and had been there for 10 years and so when he was 18 or like went straight after undergrad for like medical school and that most ages would be 21 22 so we'd been like early 30s okay so when will's in college jay is in his the end of high school right yeah my guess is they're probably like a good like three or four years yeah i think it's like three to five in my head but that's also that's when i think that mama halstead passed away i think she passed away when they were teenagers yeah i had said something different i had said she passed over when jay was overseas so, like, a little bit later. But, yeah. Hmm. So, I yeah, I, I could see Will having gone to college in Chicago and then going to med school in New York because about then would have been when he had the falling out with his dad. Right. But then this begs the question of, okay, Will's been in New York for 10 years, and he was talking to Jay earlier that we didn't mention. He had said a line about, like, practice or whatever. Like, going back, you know, there are other practices in New York or whatever. Okay, what is Will's actual medical background? Okay, so I think he started off as a plastic surgeon. Right. Because then he went he went overseas and, like, worked on cleft palates. Will For did? a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a scene in PD when Will helps out one of Voight's CIs or something. And he and Jay have beers at the end. And the one where he did it on the table, the surgery on the table. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so Jay's like, why did you bail on the gig in Sudan? Interesting. Yeah. So he was, so I think he was in plastic surgery. Then he joined a practice maybe where he was doing more plastic surgery. They're literally though. Okay. In order to do surgery though, you have to go through like, I don't even, I mean, I can't even remember the number of years my dad had to be in school, but like it was a lot. Oh, I know. I'm sure. Like, I don't even understand how he's done, like, how he had a chance to be at a practice and be a plastic surgeon within 10 years. So maybe that's why they took out the 10 years part so that they wouldn't, like, lock themselves down to a timeline. Okay, but then, yes. So, but there's no doubt denying that we already, like, he was somewhat of a plastic surgeon and, like, was in a practice, right? They already kept that part in. But then, obviously, when we meet Will in med, like, for real... Isn't he a resident? Yes. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. He's like, oh, like Ned needs ER doctors. And then we cut to season four episode for a fire. And who's in the OR with Gabby, but freaking Will. Like, what? It literally makes no sense. Yeah. So base, I think the main gist of it now is that Will was a plastic surgeon and now he is an ER doctor. I mean, that's 
I don't know about medicine, but in law, it is not easy to just up and switch specialties like that. I feel like in, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen anyone, like, so carefree switch specialties, like, after they finish. Like, in residency, I don't think it's that hard. But, like, once you've become a doctor, I don't know what you would do. I have no idea. I've never it's seen anyone do it. I know a bunch uh, of doctors, yeah. and I've never seen anyone switch specialties. So there's a question I want to know the answer to, is why did Will switch specialties? Is there a story there? Did a boob job go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Will would switch specialties because of a boob job fail. But you know that's something Nick has thought of, too. Oh, my God. I just, just from I what just, we know about Nick, I just need a breakdown of Will's care, like of the character, like just being like, "This is when he started school. This is where he was." Like, I just need a breakdown. Someone, please yeah. give it to me. Right, right. Yeah, I still peg him for about like thirty-five or thirty-six. Current which day, which means that yeah. yes, okay. which means I peg Jay for about. 31 or 32 that's about where i peg him at so i think they're but i think they're anywhere from three to five years apart that's that's the range i definitely i I definitely agree with that yeah which would make sense because i definitely probably pegged like it early on in like p i would have pegged jay for like late 20s like 28 Mm -hmm. so that makes sense yeah yeah so we get that bit from Hannah and Will. But we also see Kendra, who I was pretty certain worked at Lakeshore. She definitely worked at Lakeshore, but we just ignore that bit. Okay. We also see her later on in season one of Med. We do? Because Yes, because Goodwin wants to pretty much murder Will for Not his our patient. And Kendra is the one who's like, blocking his promotion to resident or whatever the promotion is to the next level i think he started Chief as resident no he didn't he, he didn't start as an intern but he started as a resident oh no i think it blocked his yeah she wanted to block his move from re- resident to attending i thought she wanted i don't know i'd have to go back and watch so maybe Kendra just transferred hospitals at some point and we weren't looking. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, though. I mean, as soon as I saw Kendra, I was like, wow, like that would have been a character I would love to have on now. Not just because I mean, because we have I mean, Med does a pretty good job with its diversity, like racially wise. But obviously, like Kendra was a black woman who was also a lesbian, like all of it together diversity wise would have been a great character. I don't remember her character being gay. That's how she was friends with Shay. Because they were both lesbians and they ran in the same circles. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't remember that. Interesting. Interesting. We we had Kendra. We also had Alec Wilhite. Like, I would have loved to have kept Alec around. When they had, and I feel like part of, like, part of maybe what inspired them to, like, want to spin off into med, I could be completely wrong, was remember when they had the hospital bombing the first time at the race and they had all the so they had kendra they had will height they had the girl who lost her sister 
I don't remember her name. She was like a one. She was a doctor at Lakeshore. Right. But then, I, I remember but, exactly who you're talking but about. But I can't remember had, her name. They had that like older doctor guy. I feel like they were maybe were like, oh, these some of these could be interesting characters to like spin off into a med show if we ever did a med show. And then clearly we didn't even use them. So no, we kind of used Kendra, but and not I, really. Not really, but and somebody somebody asked one time about Alec Wilhite, and I he's a surgeon, so that's why we don't we don't see him on Med is because he's not in the ED. He's not at Med. I, I, he's not at Med. He's at Lake Shore. He could come to Med though. I like him. Yeah, come to Med, please. He'd be a really good mentor to Connor if Doctor Latham were to ever leave, which I really hope he doesn't because I love Doctor Latham. Yeah. No, Wilhite could come. We're just. We're full of hypotheticals tonight. So many thoughts. So many thoughts. Oh, my God. I know. So 51 finally brings everyone in. And combined with all the flu patients, they're in for, like, a really terrible day. So April is trying to make an announcement because Dr. Tramble is like, you need to separate the flu patients from the inhalation patients, which, like, I feel like never happens. Nobody goes into an ER and is like, I need you people to separate yourselves. Yeah, no. Not on any show I've seen, at least. I don't know. But yeah, April's trying to make an announcement when a random guy climbs onto a chair. So, man. Okay, so he climbs onto a chair, grabs a grenade, says the title of the episode. Because he gets up there, he's like, if you thought Ebola was bad, I am the apocalypse. This episode aired in 2014? 2015. Was it earlier than that? 2015. Okay, okay. So Ebola was... Ebola had only been out of the news for about a year. Yeah, something like that. Because my neck of the woods was actually like ground zero for it in the U.S. We had like two or three people pop up with it. And I that's that's the only reason I remember it. And so, yeah, so that's why like Ebola was still, you know, he said he's like, if you thought Ebola was bad. Yeah, so it was supposed to like get everybody's attention. So he grabs a grenade, says the title of the episode. Severide springs into action, pushes April out of the way, football tackles the guy, and everything blows up. Here's another nugget from the script. So, Aline, when he's talking about, like, you thought Ebola was a bad whatever, whatever, there's supposed to be a line. He's actually supposed to say, fuck America, fuck all Americans, you're all dead in two weeks, boom. But there was a list of alternate lines, which they actually went with, which was death to America, death to all Americans, you're all dead in two weeks. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, TVH, I'm surprised they could even get away with death to all Americans on television, but. I am too, actually, because I remember when we, like, because when we started planning to do this episode and we had the script in hand, when we read that line, we were like, oh, my God, I can't believe they were going to try to get that in. But then we rewatched it. We're like, wait, they actually did get that in. They got the alternate lines in. They didn't get the fuck. Am- Obviously, they didn't get the fuck America part. But there's a couple other instances. Like, there was one thing earlier that, like, Casey says something related. Like, there's a couple curse words in here. And I'm like, they, like, they can never get those on screen. Like, I don't know why they're in the script, but I guess they tried. Yeah. There have been a couple of instances where they've gotten asshole into an episode. Yeah. On PD, at least. I mean, but you can't, you can't say fuck on network television. Right. That's like an FCC thing. That's not like a NBC thing. That's like a beyond NBC thing. 
So maybe it was in there just for like dramatic effect to like really drive home like the gravity of it all. Maybe. I guess. But like I said, I was surprised they could even get away with death to all Americans. I'm surprised NBC let them get away with that. But I was too. But I mean, if you if you recall the scene, he says it kind of he doesn't say it low, but it kind of gets like lost in the shuffle. You've really got to listen to it to hear him say it. Because the next thing he says, he says, I'm the apocalypse. And they really emphasize that. Yeah, I guess they put a little bit more focus on the you're all dead in two weeks part. But yeah, it's interesting. And when we're talking about the gravity of this and kind of why I was surprised they could even get away with this, Perry brought up a really good point in her email. She had said something Mm -hmm. about how she was kind of annoyed, like going back when she was watching this, about how... Like, not necessarily, like, Chicago, like, those Chicago shows, but just television in general. Like, always, like, when it's something, an act related to terrorism points to Muslims. Yeah. So we gotta point that out. I kind of agree with her, but I also understand that, like, where we are in our country, like, unfortunately, like, that is just what reality is, is that a majority of Americans, when they think of terrorism, they do think of Muslims. So if you're trying to accurately portray society like that's kind of what you have to go with i think it's wrong but you kind of have to go with it yeah i'm with you there there is an episode of pd it's the one where the lawyer chick keeps flirting with jay and there's like computer chips that have gone missing that's like missile technology or something like that and these terrorists are trying to steal these micro microchips they finally corner them in the storage facility and they're of Muslim descent. I remember seeing that scene and be like, that's a bummer. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Again, nothing against the writers of One Chicago and writers of this episode, but it's just like an unfortunate part of like television and the way Muslims are represented yeah. in media. You have the script pulled up, Brenna. Um, you have the script pulled mm-hmm. up. Who wrote this episode? Was it Derek? I think it was, let me... Story by Dick Wolf and Matt Olmstead, teleplay by Michael Brandt and Derek Haas. Okay. So everyone. They all worked on it together, but yes. Yeah. Shout out, Derek, because this was a really good episode. It's really good. Yes. So the bomber claimed to have something worse than Ebola. So Will calls for the ER to be locked down. And I remember this script page, like, in the aftermath of the bombing. It was one that Derek posted on Twitter, which I love when he does, because, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so Will calls for the ER to be locked down, which is easier said than done, because patients are already, like, hauling ass out of there. Hauling ass. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done, though. I can't drive in ice and snow, so I'm not, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. So... Everybody runs out. Bowden, Mouch, Cruz, Cap, Tony, everyone who's stuck rice. inside, they're forced to, like, Rice, too. Yes, because Rice is still around at this point. They're all forced to play, like, zone defense. It's like basketball all of a sudden. So I'm sure Bryna was, like, way in her element. <laughs> but yeah. my favorite part so is when all- Bowden is, like, tells Cruz and Tony, like, use the rigs and, like, block these people off. Can't get in the rig and put them into position that quickly. But they did. Oh, Gina, but they did. But they did. Oh, but they did. Yes, because Firehouse 51. Yep. Because they can do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. So much more than we mere mortals can do. (laughs) Yeah, and so they all play zone defense. 
Rice even runs after a guy and tackles him. I feel like it's the only moment we've ever seen Rice do anything. Yeah. Rice wasn't really around long enough to do anything else, but yes. I feel like I can throw Rice shade. I feel like it's been long enough, right? Did anyone actually really like Rice? I don't think anybody really hated him. I think everybody was kind of indifferent, except for Otis. Otis wanted to, like, murder him. What is it with <laughs> Otis and guys that kind of, like, dark-haired guys that come on to not replace him, but, like, come in to hang out for a while? Because you got Rice, you got Cordova, like... I remember season three not being a very good season for Otis. I remember him being very obnoxious. Now I'm just thinking. Well, because then there's the confrontation towards the end of the season when they start to realize that Rice is ducking and Chili's been brought in and everything. And Otis and Severide have a confrontation at Molly's. Oh, Chili, don't get me started on her. No. Hey, I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, Otis and Sev have a confrontation at Molly's. And I remember being so frustrated because I was like, Otis is acting like he's in seventh grade. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because Sev didn't want to believe it because Sev and Rice are BFFs with April. Yeah. Right. Right. I got you. I remember that. I do, I do. So speaking of Otis, we go inside and Otis finds Severide, who's having like the nap of his life. Severide is out cold. I know. (laughs) I've been drinking. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um yeah Severide's out like out cold so Brett Mills and Will hurry over and quick side note only because I've been drinking Mills as a paramedic was such a look I know we've been watching a lot I of loved old, him as a medic. like obviously we've been watching a lot of old like all this old stuff and like god like yeah can they bring back Charlie Barnett please please Please, please. Even if it's just for a guest arc, I mean, I would love him for him to come back on a more permanent basis. But I will take a like five episode arc. Yes, I, I mean, would even I take, would take a one for... episode guest appearance. No, I want him back. For okay, that. but I'd rather him come back for an episode just than not at all. I mean, he can even come back like settled down and everything. He can come back with like a wife and kid. Right. I'd be I don't care. Him. I just miss Mills. Right. I just miss Charlie Barnett and his acting. Yes. I just loved so much about Mills. He was so passionate about what he did and he was so hungry to learn. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because early in the script, I didn't mention it because it's kind of not really that important in the grand scheme of things. But there's this whole scene where they're watching – Severide and Casey are like yelling about how they need to get off the roof and Herman and Otis come and help them and Mills and Brett are watching and it says Mills watches itching to get in the game smiling Brett notices Brett something funny Mills just love the job you know and then it says weird response but okay dot 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 (laughs) but yeah Mills was just so passionate about the job and he loved everything about it even I mean he could have been bitter when he got sidelined to Ambo because of all of his health stuff, but he wasn't. I mean, he was kind of, but he wasn't. Right. His his drive and his motivation and his desire to, like, make a difference, everything was just, his motivation was so pure. Yeah. Which was just so nice to see because it was just pure, unadulterated passion. Right. Something we haven't, I mean, God. 
mean, we see it with every character, but not in that way in a really long time. We have it. I feel like Severide's got that. Passion, I feel. I was. I, like I was gonna been... say Severide is the one I think that ever came that came the closest. Mm-hmm. But Severide's has been kind of jaded over the years, just by the job and what he's seen and what he's been through. But. That also brings up, I mean, the Mills and Severi dynamic is one that I will forever wish that they explored more. Mills looked up to Kelly so much. But then you had the awkwardness between them, too, because of their family history and because it went down between their fathers. Yeah. Yeah, never forget the time that Mills punched Benny. God bless Mills. I know. I miss him so much. God bless Mills Uh doing the Lord's work, punching Benny Severide. (laughs) <laughs> yes so otis finds severide severide is out brett mills and will they all hurry over now the script the script basically tells us the gravity of kelly's injuries in a way that the actual episode does not because i mean in the episode you've only got x amount of time to like portray these things right so in the script they say that you know will takes a look and sees that kelly's chest has been hit through his jacket as in he got hit in the back and the wound went through his body and exited his chest. Is that what they were saying? I thought it I was just so. meant that, like, it was so bad that the jacket didn't brunt the front of it. So, like, it was so bad that, like, it, like, obviously, like, say there was a hole in his jacket, but the hole, it was, there was, a, there was enough impact that it made, it got onto his skin. Not necessarily that it went through his back, but just that it was enough of an impact to go through the jacket. The only reason I think that is because in that first scene when Severide pushes April out of the way and tackles the guy, he lands on his chest. And that's before the grenade goes off. Right. But my my guess, my thinking was still that it would like then just go through the jacket and land on his back. Not necessarily that it went, because it didn't make a hole through his body. Because he would have been bleeding out at that point. He wasn't bleeding out. No, but he had, I mean, Mills even said he had trauma to his back and chest. Right, but he wasn't bleeding out. If it had gone, if it had made enough an impact to go through his back to his, that's bleeding out. He wasn't bleeding out. He was just injured. Badly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get the gravity of how seriously he was supposed to be injured until I took another look at this script, which was like last week when we were prepping for this episode. And so Will takes a look at him. You know, Mills looks at him. Brett's like, yeah, he's got a really weak pulse. And this is followed by, like, the worst. This is the line that, like, I started off hating Will Halstead. And this is why. Is because he basically looks at Kelly. And he sits back and he goes, black tag him. He's gone. The moment everyone around the world hated Will Halstead. What the fuck did he just say? Um, let's just take a second to realize like the gravity of what Will Halstead just did. Will Halstead wanted to leave Kelly Severide to die. What is it with this franchise and trying to introduce characters on their spinoffs by harming characters from previous anchors? So you take this. Thank no, you. but you take this like literally from the beginning, right? Voight was introduced on fire in season one as an antagonist to Casey. And he was doing all the stuff to Casey and to Hallie and all that stuff. We're like, fuck this. We hate Voight. Then eventually we all kind of come around to Voight, yada, yada, yada. Then you have this. Will wants to black tag Kelly. 
character who we all think should be protected at all costs. So, like, we're all, at first, we're like, fuck you, Will. Then, they try to introduce justice by having, putting Atwater on the stand for murder. And we're all like, fuck you, justice. You can't do that to poor Atwater. Like, what the hell? What is it with this shit? These- no! Stop doing things to yeah. characters we already care about. Yup. Yup. I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Which is also why I'm curious to see how they're going to introduce Emily. Because, yeah. Don't make us hate her at first. Well, and Derek... It's not a good move. But I think Derek has come to the realization now. Because remember, he said that with Roman. That he was like, yeah. yeah. He's like, I we learned that we can't do that anymore. And they corrected it with Stella. Yeah. So the reason that we like Stella is because of Roman. <laughs> Yeah. Weird transition, but yes, exactly. The reason we now yeah, love no. Stella is because of Rowan. Because of our hatred. I Roman. hated Right. I hated Will Halstead from this line until probably like the middle of season one of Med. Yeah. Cause he said he's like black tag him, he's gone. I'm like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Yeah. Like, excuse you. He was literally going to leave Kelly to die. Yeah, if it wasn't for Mills. If it wasn't for Mills. So Will's like, the percentages are really low. And Mills just goes, I don't give a damn about percentages, which is one of those moments where I really wish this show was on cable. So Mills could have just turned around and been like, I don't give a flying fuck about your damn percentages. Well, it's like one of those moments where, like, I picture Mills on, I can't, a podium, for lack of a better word, in church. And, like, Mills says, like, I don't give a damn about percentages. And, like, the congregation stands up and is like... That's right, Mills. <laughs> they like all sing one chord. They're like, oh, like, they're like, hell yeah. <laughs> That's just what I picture yes. in that moment. Mills is at the podium and says that, and then the congregation stands up and is like, preach, <laughs> praise Jesus. <laughs> oh my God, Brenda, please take it from here. Yeah. So. Then there's this sort of cute moment where Will is quickly checking April for a concussion. And in the script, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing, but there are a couple lines that I thought were interesting. So when April's getting checked out by Will, she has a couple sassy lines. And, like, for example, she says, like, I could, but I'm not going to when Will is asking her, like, if she could sit there for a moment while he, like, checks her out. She's like, I could, but I'm not going to. And then she says, you want my social security number when she's rambling off facts about herself. Like, that's the kind of how it ends. And, like, April apparently used to be sassy back in this pilot. And we lost a little bit of it. I feel like she's still sassy. She's still sassy, but not to, I mean, these lines are very sassy. And she was not, like, outwardly sassy. Like, I feel like these lines were supposed to make her be. I feel like they were on the cusp of something really awesome here by, like, trying to develop a friendship between Will and April. And we saw it a teeny tiny bit in maybe season one, but then they kind of shied away from it, which was a bummer because I always thought they had a really cute little friendship, like budding, but they never really acted on it. Yeah. Do you think if my theory had been right and they didn't bring in Natalie and they kept Tramble or April, who do you think would have been Will's love interest? Oh, my God. Uh, I think it would have been Tramble. I think it would have been, too. Which is part of the reason why I say if Tramble had stayed on, I don't think they would have brought in Natalie. 
Because Natalie was so clearly supposed to be Will's love interest. Yeah, because they're meant to be. Right, but I'm saying if Tramble, if Tramble is there, I don't think they bring in Natalie because Nat, the point of Natalie's character was to be Will's love interest. So why would they bring in another love interest if that's kind of what Tramble maybe was supposed to be? On the flip side of that, though, it makes me a little sad that they wouldn't bring in another woman because they already had one in place. But if you think about it, I mean, the only woman they really added was Sarah. They just replaced women. They didn't really add another woman besides Sarah. They just say Natalie took Tramble's place. Marlon took whoever that girl's name was that I don't think she really had a name but the she didn't have a but name you know in what the I'm script. Talking. she was just registrar right but she Maggie became the registrar person and then they just added Sarah they didn't really add any more women otherwise Natalie was not adding someone it's she true. was just replacing someone else yeah yeah good point so but I just thought those lines when I was reading that I was like oh that's funny um Mm-hmm. But yeah, but then yeah, no, totally so at this moment, we also had the moment Tramble was not trying to get back in into the, the ED. In, right. Tramble is not in the ED at this point. So she's trying to get back in and she's like, Will's like, you can't come in here. Like no one else in, no one's coming in or out. She's like, let me in New York. She's like, you need a surgeon in there. And, um, let's see. Oh, and then she's like, yeah, I'm a surgeon and you need a hazmat suit. Like, I can't, like, this isn't going to go well, but okay. So she eventually gets let in. No, but that's what Will says. He's like, I'm a surgeon. It's like, uh, but okay. Yeah. So cut to like two episodes into med and he's like, I don't do a lot of surgeries. Yeah. Anyway. So then we go back outside and this is where we meet Dr. Charles, who is like, I think the change the most from the script to what we actually saw on screen. Indeed. Yes, I concur. There, I mean, even you didn't make it apparently all the way through the end of the script, but there's some stuff at the end of the script too. And I'm just like, he had such a dark humor. Where did it go? Like, right. where did this inappropriate Dr. Charles go? <laughs> but, okay, so let's read what Dr. Charles' character description was. So it says, Dr. Daniel Charles, 50s, chief psychiatrist, off the charts intelligence, intelligent in all subjects but his personal life charles is a slave to his own passions eating drinking medicinal marijuana can we just stop there for a second eating drinking and medicinal marijuana what in the world where did that come from right could you even imagine in the dr charles that we know now no not in the slightest but let's keep going i mean i can imagine there's a scene on suits where harvey and mike get really high one night and it's i mean it's really funny and they basically are just like exactly what you would expect harvey and mike to be like when they're high so i imagine i could imagine like a high dr charles being just like that and being hilarious but i can't this is a completely different version of him it's so funny so it says, but he has remarkable insight to his, into his patients, into the human mind, and into human behavior. Usually the smartest one in the room, and he knows it. That hasn't changed. That has not changed. So 
he basically is outside, and like we said, the patients had escaped, and he ends up helping an angry patient, like, talk. he talks him down, um, and ends up helping Bowden, and he ends up, I mean, he drops, practically drops the mic on Bowden. All while, ha- all while high as a kite. Yep, mm-hmm. because if you watch him get out of the car again, I always thought that that was just from it being so damn cold outside. I never noticed it until rewatching it for this episode, and then I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it's like somebody told me Santa wasn't real. I I think I had always noticed it, but I always just thought it was like when it's so damn cold outside, and like you breathe outside, and you can like see your breath. I thought it was mm-hmm. like that. Not no, and he's like coughing, and yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I think that blew my mind. I was like, oh my, uh, what? It's crazy. Sweet little Dr. Charles getting high. Um, so then Petey arrives on scene, aka Halstead and Ruzik. And because they're going to obviously figure out the, like, what actually happened part. And Gina wrote in our outline, which is only noteworthy because Halstead is driving. I'd argue it is also noteworthy because it's the only time we've ever seen Ruzik on med. And it's not even med. And it's not even med. Yeah, I think you're actually, I think you are completely correct about that. It is the only time we've ever seen Ruzik in a med setting. But it's also noteworthy, though, because we see that we see Jay be a little bit concerned for Will, which is adorable. Because the first thing out of Jay's mouth, he's like, tell me you're not in there. And Will's like, no, I am. Like, super cute. Yeah. Also noteworthy from the script, the scene was actually originally supposed to take place scenes later after Ruby, after April calms Ruby down. Fun fact. Yeah, that's interesting to me, too. It's always so interesting how these things come together and, like, what's behind the decisions to shuffle these scenes All of the PD scenes, for the most part, come earlier on screen than they were in the script. I don't know why they got shifted earlier, but they did. Hmm. Anyway, so then we see Gabby call Will over to help with a man who has been stabbed by a bone. And at first they think, that it's probably just the guy's rib or something sticking out. But then Will is like, oh, no, this is an Olna? And he's like, that guy's Olna, to be exact. We're talking about the bomber's Olna. Not any just other random person's Olna. The bomber's Olna. If I was this poor guy, Jim, I would be freaking the fuck out, too, that the bomber's bone is the one that's stuck through my stomach. But... Oh my god! Yes, yeah. And Will says it so casually too. He's like, "No, that's an Alna." And he looks and he's like, "Oh, it's his." Yeah, his over there. That guy's. And then of course Jim is like freaking out and the whole thing. But then we switch to the OR or the trauma bay that's been turned into the OR, and we see Severide's O2 stats are dropping, and the lower they go, the more we see flashes of Say or Shay or so as the script says. The person he's been thinking about as his own life is circling the drain. <sighs> yeah, I know. Totally does not make us emotional at all. But. I, the shaver I feels are just like, I can't. But I think it's interesting. So again, going back to the script, it only kind of happens like this in the script. So in the script, we're supposed to get flashes of Shay. 
all from Severide's point of view, different locations. Oh, this is all from the script. All different locations, different moods, all very dreamlike and ethereal. Laughing on a sofa, crying on his shoulder, mad at him in the kitchen, smiling at him across at a dinner table, flashes of memory. Where in reality, the only clip that we actually get of Shay is her saying the we promised always be there for each other scene from the contract part that we had seen like earlier in season three. But we were supposed to get very different flashes of Shay in this moment. Ugh, it breaks my heart. Because if you really think about it, it's like he's thinking about her right as he's about to be reunited with her. Yeah. Just fuck me up. When it's crazy. Okay, so keep going. So the next little bit, Mills is like struggling to intubate and then finally gets it done. And in the script, as that keeps going, we're supposed to get more flashes of Shay that don't happen. So it says, the script says, like a dream, Severide's hands reach for Shay's. She laughs at something he said, beckons him to her, and just as quickly we're back. Fuck me up. Yes! Fuck me up. You know what else struck me kind of, not odd, but I was just like question mark about the whole Severide deal? So he's out, right? But his eyes keep moving throughout the whole thing. I've noticed that. Yeah. I didn't. Okay, so I would imagine that, like, yeah, they weren't expecting to, like, perform surgery in the ED when the place has been bombed to smithereens. So maybe they didn't get the chance to, like, put him under properly. But I always thought that that was always a question of mine. I was like, uh. Yeah. I don't know. It's also interesting. I shouldn't pose questions when I'm three glasses of wine in. <laughs> There's also a line that Tramble says in this moment, kind of as his O2 stats are starting to rise again. She's like, okay. She's like looking over at like Mills and Brett. And she says, okay, listen to me. Death likes to hover around in case we miss something. <laughs> like what? No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure at all. So... We go back to Jim, which is the poor guy with the bomber's ulna in his stomach. And Will tells him that he's not going to take out the bone, which Jim doesn't take very well. Because he's like, why the fuck are you keeping this in me? And Will's like, actually, you know, like, you're fine. He's like, we're just going to cut it down and, you know, leave it in until we can actually get in an OR and, like, keep you stable while we do this. Because there's no point otherwise. Like, you're going to be fine. It's kind of crazy. But... Jim is like, okay, well, if so, if you say, like, you know, whatever. So then, but Will does have this, like, the, I think the most iconic Will line, maybe honestly of this whole episode, is like, do you want to live, Jim? <laughs> like, <laughs> it is an extremely extra Will Halstead moment. Do you want to live, Jim? <laughs> It's something that if he said it now, I think we would all bust out laughing. We'd be like, well, go sit down. Like, stop it. Yeah. So then a we move over to, like, the waiting room area. A ceiling tile falls right in front of a little girl, Ruby. Um, and April's over there. They get the fire out, but April has to calm her down. And so it prompts a story from April that Tina's points out, like, it, there's not really a point to. Um, basically... April's Aunt Ruby used to make pancakes and inject them with a blueberry jam. Yeah. Cool story, bro. There's a moment that got cut out from the script where she, April uses the word 
or Ruby's like, how do you inject them with um, the jam? And she, April's like, well, you use a syringe. And she's like, I don't like ne-. Ruby's like, I don't like noodles. And she's like, oh, I mean a straw. Like, okay. I feel like, I mean, I mean, it sounds good. Pancakes injected with blueberry jam, but that's just too sweet in the morning. I think it's just the way, I mean, the script says this is gets Ruby's attention away from the chaos. So yeah. I guess that's the point of it, but still. Yeah. So then we go and we see Halstead and Ruzik again. And this time, Jay's on the phone with Ivory Tower telling them to stop being such a pain in the ass. And, like, he wants a canine unit and a this and a that unit and whatever else down here because Jay's in charge. Which is very sexy, seeing Jay in charge of a crime scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ruzik's on the vo- phone with Voight telling him, like, what Jay's doing. Which, I mean, obviously it's a cross. Like, I know why Voight's not there because production and it's not a crossover. But, like, this totally would have been an instance that if this was actually happening, Voight would have been there. Like, everyone would have been there. Oh, yeah. But we go with it. And just of note, this scene was actually originally supposed to take place after Casey notices the smoke coming in, which is what happens. They just flip scenes. Um, so, interesting note to note. So, as I noticed, as I said, Katie starts to notice some black smoke coming in from the ceiling. And he climbs up to see a huge fly- fire in the ceiling, um, an electrical fire happening. So then he radios Bowden and all the... Oops, sorry. He radios Bowden and Goodwin's like, absolutely not, Wallace. Like, you can't let those guys go in there. Like, I won't authorize it. And then all the guys volunteer and Goodwin's like, well, can't argue with that. So we go to, we're still outside. Then all of a sudden we see a car speed up to med and a very panicked couple runs to the gate looking for help. And it's Aleem's parents. And so Goodwin's like, do you guys, like, know what's happening or whatever? And they're like, no, like, no one's telling us anything. And she's like, you're going to want to see this. And she's like, the police are going to want to talk to you. And that, yeah. So they, like, his mom, like, starts breaking down crying. And his father, like, freaks out. And Goodwin takes them to talk to Jay and Adam. And it turns out Aleem worked in a lab that studied infectious diseases. And Adam's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, he doesn't say fucking, but, like, <laughs> he wanted to say fucking kidding me. But Patty would. So Patty would. We'll yeah, Patty that. would. So then he calls Antonio. And Antonio's like, dude, you got to get over to BHO Labs, like, right this instance. Like, what the hell? And so... Basically, after this, Casey, no, Rice and Cruz come in to the, they're the ones who end up going into the ER, bringing more CO2 tanks so they can fight this fire. They come in, they fight the fire, they get it all out, yada, yada, yada. But at this point, Casey walks by in the ER, and the same angry dude from before starts yelling at him. And as he walks away, the angry dude comes to attack him from behind with some sort of piece of wood. I think it's like half a chair that had been broken in the explosion. Um, 
and he's like determined to leave but Casey like gets low like a wrestler and essentially says like you gotta go through me okay did nobody else find that hilarious when he did that he's like you've gotta go through me I was like Matt you are such a twerp in this instance what are you doing this guy is so much bigger than you yeah it does not go over I'm like the only one who found that funny I don't know it does not go over well at all it really wouldn't no it's tiny he's so tiny compared to that guy yeah it's crazy um do you want to take over again yeah sure so yeah big giant guy is freaking out swinging like some sort of wooden two by four slash half a chair at casey i don't even know but yeah casey gets low he's like you've got to go through me i'm like yeah that won't be a problem matt like you're kind of tiny i don't know April jumps on him and sedates him from behind and Casey and Herman like push him up against the wall. And he's like, yeah, she's like, yeah, he's going to take a little nap. So I think the whole point of that scene was supposed to be like, you know, like clear eyes, full hearts, one Chicago, like (laughs) fam forever. I don't know. But yeah, so Antonio then relays the information about Aleem's work to Will. And I remember this scene being a bigger deal than it is now because this was the first time that we were like holy shit like one Chicago in the house because we were like oh my god it's Gabby's brother talking to Jay's brother like this is so cool oh yeah so Antonio yeah yeah and so Antonio relays the information about Aleem's work over to Will and Aleem had infected himself with something called Marburg it sounds like a brand of cigarettes but really it's basically something that the Soviets developed to use as a biological weapon. Yep. It's a viral hemorrhagic fever. Yes. Viral hemorrhagic fever. Before we go back to Severide, can we circle back to the electrical fire in the ceiling? Yes. I don't know what was so cool about this, but I kind of loved it. Oh my God. Okay, good. Me too. Because I was like, I don't know if it was just the way Casey took charge, but like as soon as he, like as soon as they walk in with the extra ladders and stuff, and Casey's like, okay, I want you to put this ladder here and this, I I don't know. I I love that whole scene. Yeah, I I don't know why, but I love the way they fought that fire. They were just like, okay, everybody get in place and you're going down fire. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Yeah. Casey was so in his element. Just like, yeah. 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 So that's the bit about the electrical fire. But meanwhile, we go back to Trauma Bay 4, which is where Severide is in limbo. Poor Severide. Ugh. So there's a piece of shrapnel somewhere between Kelly's ribs that Tramble can't get to. So he sees Shay again, which is how we know that, you know, every time he sees Shay, I think we're supposed to know that he's getting worse is basically the gist of it. Yeah. And this is is something we wouldn't know unless we had the script. Well, yeah. And it's funny. So this is when we're talking about Severide's eyes. I'll read the part from the script where it says this. So it says the the camera pushes in on Severide's eyes as they start to rem behind the lids and we see flashes of Shay. Now cycling rapidly, images of Shay in the blink of an eye, every piece of close-up footage we can use from three years of filming going by in just moments. And and then it like t- shows as like Tramble's focusing, getting on closer on the difficult pieces of shrapnel. Um, yeah. So he's just supposed to be in REM the whole time. Like he's in such a bad state that he's just in extremely deep sleep. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. The listeners can't hear confused facial expressions, Brian. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I guess it just also is, I mean, trying to imply that, like, he's so out of it, that, like, he's so in his deep spot while he's out of it and, like, knocked out that it's almost like he's in a deep, dark sleep. Even though he's not sleeping, he's knocked out. Yeah. Poor Kelly. I just wanted to hug him this entire episode. Like, not even just hug him. I just wanted to, like, stand by his head and just, like, have my hand on his head and be like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I felt so bad for him. Yeah. It's crazy. Protect Kelly Severide at all costs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, there's a piece of shrapnel. Tramble can't get to it. He sees Shay again. Tramble gets the shrapnel, but then he starts squirting blood. There's an artery that was nicked by the shrapnel or something. So this is how we get the scene that is in all the promo photos. It's like Casey, Dawson, Cruz, everybody just standing outside the OR, like super nervous. And just, you know, it's literally all they can do is just stand there and watch. So they all just feel really helpless. And April's there, too. The one I feel the most for in this scene is actually Casey. Because I feel like deep down, Casey wants to just let his feelings out and be so emotional about the fact that his best friend is in such bad shape. Yeah. But he can't. Can. Yeah, I mean, it, like, if he, I mean, think about it. Like, if he had lost Severide, he would have lost two best friends within, like, I mean, that's a lot of loss. Like, he would have lost Darden, he would have lost Hallie, then he would have lost, I mean, Shay, even though Shay and Casey weren't that close. But then Shay and then Severide, like, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And I really feel for Casey because I feel like the whole episode, he's just trying to keep his emotions in check and, you know, be the lieutenant and just kind of yeah keep going forward. Yeah, Well, and that's why there's, I mean, there's a thing that got cut out. We'll talk about it like a little bit later on that I kind of wish they had kept in that deals with Casey and Severide a little bit. But um, I think it's also interesting to note as before they get Severide stable again, this is like where the Shay thing kind of comes to head. But like the big moment would have been. So it says, I mean, it didn't happen, obviously, because a lot of the Shay stuff got cut. But it says the images stop on one. Shay is reaching for him, but then at the last second drops her hand and walks away, disappearing. And then <gasps> that's where Brett's supposed to say stats are up again. So he, like, comes back to life. Oh, my God. Shay reaches for him? But then at the last second drops her hand. Like, she reaches for him being like, I want you to come with me. But then it's like, no, your time on Earth is, like, not up yet. And you need to go oh back. Oh, my God. I know, right? I would have cried, like, actual tears. I know. It's crazy. So crazy. This is some, like, finale-level oh shit. Shay was supposed to reach for him. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Are you, though? I'm not wine drunk. I'm a little wine drunk. Just a little bit. Oh, man. The shaver I feels are too real right now. Yeah. 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 So, yes, we get that scene. And then finally, you know, Trample sutures the arteries, Severide stable. April lets out a sigh of relief. Bowden, you know, Casey radios it to Bowden. And Bowden's like, awesome, cool, great. Yeah. Um, and so then we cut back to the, this whole time they got an infectious disease doctor to kind of roll in and just kind of figure out what exactly Aleem was infected Dr. Clayman. So the infection... Dr. Clayman, yeah. So the infectious disease doctor, she draws Herman's blood to determine whether they're infected. And they're not. That is saved for now. Before we go to this part real quick, I did want to bring up when there's a scene where it's not really that important, but they're 
Halstead and Ruzik and Dr. Charles are talking about Aleem and, like, his social media manifesto and all this stuff. Not that important, because obviously, like they said, Med B, he wasn't actually infected yet, so, like, they were all saved. But there's this moment that got cut where it's, like, Dr. Charles and Halstead, and Halstead's, like, he's a sick bastard. And Dr. Charles is, like, you'd have made a great psychologist detective. (laughs) So cute. And then it goes to this Christopher Herman Clayman scene, so that's why I wanted to bring it up. But continue. That's funny. Yeah, so they're not infected. They thought they were, but they're not. So Med is saved for now until the next dead body gets stolen or the next time somebody tries to blow it up or the next time anything unsafe happens, which seems to always happen at Chicago Med. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's kind of the most unsafe hospital in the world. It's not kind of. It is the most unsafe hospital in the world. Which is really why I can't blame those people for hauling ass out of there after the explosion because they're like, fuck this shit. It's like they knew. They knew. It's like they're hopping into the car and driving themselves to Lakeshore to be treated. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and so after Med gets saved, a scene that got cut, which when you're kind of talking about like going like full one Chicago in this episode and having like brothers and sisters interacts and stuff. There's the scene got, that got cut, which they used in that promo photo of, like, Ga- I'm assuming that's where it comes from. Gabby and Will, like, shaking hands or whatever that was. Um, ah, yes. So I'll just read the scene. So it's after they, like, Will tells Jim he's going to, like, pull out the old nun, whatever. So Dawson says, nice work today, doctor. And Will says, you too. Dawson, I haven't seen you before. Will, just a temporary thing. Dawson just looks at him. Halstead sticks out his hand. Will, Will Halstead. Dawson's eyes go wide at that name. Jay's brother? Yeah, you know him? Yep, sure do. She moves off to help. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. One other thing we did find while prepping for this episode was an old recap that I wrote for really late reviews. Like, three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I poured the snark on pretty thick, but I think one part, at one point, I kind of reprimanded Will, and I was like, don't you dare flirt with her. Yeah, you said he, they could be, he was like, you do not want to be Eskimo twins with your brother and Casey, you know, Eskimo triplets with your brother and Casey and Gabby, and you're like, and you do not, like, do not try to go all in on Lindsay either if she were to show up, because then you'd be Eskimo twins with Severide and your brother, like, don't go there. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. No, he would have been quadruplets if he had dated da- uh, Gabby. Oh, because it was Mills. Mills. I'm thinking Mills. Yeah, yeah. Jay and Casey and Mills. Oh, that would have just been a not And triplets a if it was Lindsay because it would have been Severide and his brother. Yeah. Because, because where we're at in the timeline, and this is what, something we forgot to mention, Gabby and Casey are not together at this point. They've broken up for the first yes. time. Yes, for the first time. Yeah. Unless we count – do we count that brief – you know when they were kind of flirting in season one when he was on a break from Hallie? Is that really counted as a breakup? No, because right when they were about to get together is when Hallie resurfaced. That's what I thought. Okay, so that doesn't count. Okay. And then died terribly. Yeah, tragic. So tragic, yeah. So, it's yeah, that's an interesting point in the timeline. But yeah, so... Yeah, so they're not infected. Med is saved for now. Will's like, open up the ER. And I'm like, do what, bro? Because the place has been bombed to smithereens. But okay, Will, go on with your bad self. 
But Goodwin and Dr. Charles do share a really cute hug once the all clear is given. Yeah. It's cute. Like, you can tell they've been friends for a while. I That's another thing I really hope that they will dive into further is, like, they've worked together for so long that obviously they're friends, like, really, really close friends. Delve more into that. Give us more of that. I want to hear all about that. Well, it's, like, the same thing, too, of, like, even though early on in Fire, they used to use Lakeshore, obviously, more. But, like... Mm-hmm. when Goodwin's talking to Bowden early on, like, she calls him Wallace. Like, they've all clearly been friends for a long time, too. Yeah. She's like, Wallace, like, you can't do that. Like, you have no authority here. I do. Or whatever she does. I want all the stories and all the reminiscing yeah. from over the years. Because, you know, it's cute. They've known each other for a long time. They could probably tell really good stories. Yeah. Yeah, so... After that, Will finds Tramble in the break room, and she's just kind of against the wall. And I mean, yeah, she got the job done. She saved saved Severide's life, but she's still like, you know, the the day took a toll. So she's sitting against the wall, just kind of crying. Will handles this perfectly. Like, he just sits next to her, doesn't say a thing, just kind of is like, I'm here. I'm just going to sit next to you, let you cry it out. So Hannah puts her hand on his knee and he grabs her hand. And it's just a really sweet moment of just like, yeah, today was heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be comforting for both of them is what the script says. Um, but this is where a lot of things start to change in, ter- in script wise. So this is where we're supposed to, instead of cutting to Molly's, which is what happens, we're supposed to cut to a recovery room. And you're supposed to see Severide there, obviously. And April's sitting in a chair. And then, but before Severide can say anything, Casey and Bowden enter. So Casey says, like, welcome back. Severide shakes, and he's, like, laughing as Casey Casey says that. And Severide's, like, shaking his head. And Severide's, like, which one of you hit me when I wasn't looking? And Bowden's, like, you said, doctor said you might have missed, you know, you might miss a few shifts, but nothing to keep you out long. And then... April kicks them all out, you know, saying, like, he needs to get some rest. And this is where the scene that actually ends the episode with April and Severide actually takes place right after this. It goes straight into it. Oh. And so, but I think the thing that's interesting, and you can kind of get a glimpse from this, but unless you read the script and really understand the Shay part, like, you wouldn't really pay much attention to it because he says, oh, April's like, you scared me. Severide says, you know, I don't remember any of it. Nothing. And April goes, nothing. And then it says, Severide looks off. We get the feeling that he's remembering the one thing he saw, Shay. Finally, he shakes his head. And then he says nothing. Man. And that all happens, but you don't understand the, like, looking off part unless you understand the context of the Shay stuff. Because, like, when I rewatched it after I had read the script and understood the Shay stuff, like, I could totally see it. But you don't, under, you don't, mm-hmm. you miss that if you didn't get the Shay part of it. Right. And so. Yeah. Then is when it goes to Molly's. But there's some more stuff for Molly's that I would have loved to see that got cut out. So, do you care if I just, like, take over for the rest of this? Go okay. for it. Because I've got the script up. And there's a lot of, there's some interesting things that I want to talk about. So. I do want to address one thing about Molly's, though, but go ahead, and then I'll, I'll okay. bust in. So it's talking about, obviously, the entire firehouse is there. You know, Brothers Halstead, Antonio Ruzic, Clayman, 
Kendra's apparently there. I miss Kendra, but apparently Kendra's there. Goodwin, Tramble, Charles, you know, the whole thing. Um, this is where, you know how, like, later on, Casey, it's, like, a little bit later in Molly's is not the first thing that happens, but the first thing that apparently in the script is supposed to happen is Casey watching Dawson walk in and, like, them having their little nod thing. That's supposed to be the first thing that happens. But it doesn't. It happens a little bit later. Then we get Charles sitting at the end of the bar, more than a few drinks in. He has a shot and a mug of beer on the bar. Then Cap and Rice flank him. So you know this can only go so so well. So Cap, We were deprived of this? Yes. So Cap says... Settle a bet for us, Doc. And then Rice says, Cap here says that as a kid, he was diagnosed with OCD, ADD, Tourette's, and dyslexia. And that he grew out of all of them. Take a good look at him and tell me he was cured. Charles gives Cap a quick once-over. Charles, you're missing the chronic masturbation and the fact that he was breastfed until he was seven. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and then they apparently all laugh and charles drops the shot in the beer and slams it charles barkeep another round over here for me and the guys and then the whole clayman ruzik thing isn't in the script because it goes straight into so charles says that antonio nearby says i hear that and ruzik says keep it coming there is no oh. music and Antonio and Clayman thing. I guess that was added later on, but that doesn't exist in this script. Instead, we get the I Charles mean, I, I, talking about Cap. <laughs> All of Cap's issues and the chronic masturbation. <laughs> like, I wonder if NBC saw that and was like, uh-uh, That's what I'm saying. Nope. It's like, mm-hmm. in this script, Dr. Charles is such a dark, like, humorous character. And he's not like that at all now. No. Like, not in the slightest. Which is... I feel like if they had kept that up with him, though, that he would have become kind of exhausting to deal with week after week. I don't know. I think he could have been funny. I think he could have... Because I think the one thing we're missing on Meta is humor. Like, Meta is not a humorous show at all. Where at least... That is a very good point. And is not designed to be like that. So I guess you could say Meta is not supposed to be designed like that. But, like, on Fire, you've got Cruz, you've got Mouch, you've got Herman, you've got Otis. Like, you've got a ton of humor on Fire. And so mm-hmm. I feel like even though this is a very different kind of humor, I think if they had written it the right way, which I'm sure they could have, like, Dr. Charles could have been the humor on Med. Albeit inappropriate yeah. humor, but humor nonetheless. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So... I didn't think about it from that standpoint. Yeah. So in the script, I'm just going to keep going off the script by this point. So in the script, we're supposed to go from this scene to the Brighton Mills scene, which is still in the actual episode about, um, like, find Mills finding out about his, uh, you know, placement, yada, yada, yada. And so, but then from that, we go, we get a Halstead Brothers scene in the script, which <gasps> we don't get in the, in the thing. So. Not cool. Right. So Will goes, today was a good day. Jay says, one way to look at it, Will. I mean, so I got some clarity on things. And then Jay measures him. And then Halstead's, or Jay's like, you're staying? And Will breaks into a grin. Yeah, hell yeah. Halstead, or Jay gives him a tight hug. Jay says, we're really going to celebrate now. And then Jay heads to the bar as Tramble approaches Will. And Tramble's like, hey, New York. And... 
Will's like, not anymore, Stanford. I'm all Chicago now. And Tramble says, you think you can shake that stink after one day here? And Will's like, smiling, here's to trying. And then they toast. Dude, that's important. Right, that's what I'm saying. And then we get the whole Bowden speech, which is still all good and whatever. And then the last thing, the way the episode ends is with the Dawson and Casey um, hookup. <gasps> oh, my God. That's interesting. Yeah. Can we talk about one thing at Molly's, though? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Why the fuck are they all there? Why aren't they at Med waiting on news for Kelly? Well, April's not there. No, April's not there. Because apparently working in the morning and working through the bombing wasn't enough. She's got to work the night shift, too. Well, and I mean, but that's what I'm saying is, like, in the script, Casey and Bowden show up and April kicks them out saying Kelly needs his rest. So that would make more sense on why they're not all at Severin's bedside. They're all smiles at Molly's, and I'm like, what the fuck are you people doing? Your friend is in the hospital. Yeah, but, like, at some point, I mean, like, you just got saved. You're not going to die in two weeks, like. Well, I mean, nobody knows that. I mean, but, like, you're not going to die from this infection in two weeks. True. So, but, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. A, they cut a bunch of the, like, kind of fun personal stuff for Molly's, which we always really love. I do agree that the Halstead mm-hmm. brother scene is important, especially for, like, the fact that they were spinning off. Like, the fact that we don't really un- – I mean, obviously, it's kind of implied that Will's going to stick around. But, like, the fact that we don't actually get Will hearing the scene where we hear Will say, I'm actually sticking around, uh, I don't really see why that was cut. And I also just think it's interesting because, like I said, they end now in the actual episode with the Severide April thing, when really that takes place a lot earlier, and the script has them in with the Dossy reaction to the stress of the day. True. So it's just, the order is yeah. very different. Like I said, I would have died at that Cap, Rice, and Charles scene. That would have been hysterical. Um, but yeah. I wonder if keeping that Halstead brother scene would have helped us warm up to Will a little bit more. Probably because but like he I said, you did want to go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say he, he did want to leave Kelly to die. So that's like a big thing to come back from. Right. But I think because there's also things sprinkled throughout the script about how Will was impressed with everything that goes, like everything 51 was doing. He was impressed with, Gabby's paramedic knowledge, even though now she's, like, technically a firefighter. Like, he seemed to be very impressed. And so that's why I think that Halstead brother scene, I don't know if it necessarily would have had people come around to Will, but I think it's so important for the spinoff part. Because, like, you actually get to see him, like, make that decision and, like, say it and, like, just, I I don't understand how they cut that. I mean, granted, you watch the episode and you're like, oh, well, I get it's kind of implied, but still. I just think seeing Will come to that conclusion and say it out loud is important, but. Same, same. Instead of just imagining that it happened, we just had to imagine sometime between this backdoor pilot and the actual pilot that we were like, all right, I guess Will just decided to stick around. But like I said, it's kind of implied, but like, eh, still. Yeah. Like seeing him say it and have that interaction with not just Halstead, but, or not with, not just with Jay, but with Tramble too, and like saying it to two people. Like, I think that's important, but guess not. Right. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. 
Well, we didn't really talk about the reaction to the stress of the day. Uh, well, yeah. Casey and Gabby decide to have sex because they didn't die that day. And they're like, yeah, it's a one-time thing, right? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Hey, 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 Brenna. Brenna, you remember that time that Dawson and Casey had a reaction to the stress of the day and ended up making a baby? Yeah, and then they end up making a baby from this. Oh, my God. Ah. Uh, I yeah. wonder... This is... What came first, like, in their head storyline-wise? The bombing and the whole thing, or that they wanted Casey and Gabby to end up having a baby, and they needed something where they could, like, have had this reaction to a stress of a day? Oh, shit. I would like to think it was the bombing, because they had to set up Meg. Right. Yeah. Also... While we're talking about the reaction to the stress of the day and the fact that Med blew up in their backdoor pilot, kind of an interesting way to start a medical show that literally has never done anything as extreme since. That's a good thing, though, because it shows that Med is getting safer. Right. I mean, Med has not gone Grey's Anatomy and, like, gone falls to the wall. I don't even know. But... Have we ever talked about that of, like, who is what character, like, which med character is which Grey's character? Have we ever compared them? No. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm a little wine drunk. I could do this. Like, <laughs> now I'm sitting here thinking. Okay, but I think at some point when, you'd have to draw a line and pick, like, which, it, like, which generate. Are we talking about, like, OG Grey's characters? Are we talking about, like mid Grace characters we're talking about like current Grace because there's just so many iterations anything anything would dr charles be dr weber yes <laughs> yes uh, would connor connor would would connor be christina he'd be like a combination of christina and alex not Meredith? No. All the mommy issues and all the shitty... Well, no, not a lot of shitty things have happened to Connor. Yeah, except for his mom committing suicide. Maybe with a pinch of Meredith. <laughs> Connor is Christina, Alex, and a pinch of Meredith. That's a combo. Wow. Maggie is Bailey. You think so? Maybe. Well, no, wait. Choi is chief resident, so maybe Choi is Bailey. No, I'd say Choi is Callie. Go on. Because, well, Callie at one point is chief resident, so it's fine. But for that comparison. But I'd say Choi is Callie. A, because they both are strong. Like, they present themselves as strong. But then they have their moments of, like, weakness and vulnerability, and they've both had issues. I mean, Choi obviously has a little bit of PTSD. Callie had the whole thing where it turns out she's lesbian and isn't accepted by our family because they come from a very Catholic background. So I – that was my first thought. Hmm. Okay. We may have to revisit this. Yeah, I think we're going to because I'd have to, like, really think about this. Indeed. Indeed. But yeah, so also another thing that kind of caught my eye, aside from the stress of the, the reaction of the stress of the day, which was like 
priceless and the best thing ever, even if it led to 404, which was a total cop out in my decision, my opinion. But more about that later. But yeah, um, the other thing that caught me about that was that when Severide's like, I don't remember any of it. Well, you're awfully calm for waking up in a hospital. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to, again, in the script, he's able to play that joke on Casey and be like, which one of you hit me in the back of my head? Like, okay. Like, you don't remember it, but you're going to, okay. I mean, whatever. You can play jokes, but you don't remember what actually happened. Okay, great. Okay, cool. Whatever. I mean, I'm not going to question it. Just protect Severide at all costs. Maybe let it never happen again. All the things. You know. I mean, he's been, like, slightly injured since, but not as bad as that episode. He put himself and through a way I worse injury, but that, that was his choice. Well, but he he got injured before that happened. Remember, he, like, jumped off that roof? Jumped off what roof? Or maybe not jumped off a roof. He, like, jumped out of, like, a three-story window or something. And, like, knocked his ass out. And then that was when he was like, I was supposed to do the transplant. And Clark was like, you can still do it, but you got to do it without pain meds. Oh, yeah, 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 I kind of remember that. I've never gone back and watched those episodes because I don't own them. But I don't like when Severide gets hurt. I mean, that's why I haven't watched any of those because Severide is a being who needs to be protected at all Emotionally times. Emotionally and physically hurt. Can we just, like, bubble wrap him for season seven? But actually, though. Never forget Casey. Casey can handle it. We should bubble wrap Severide. <laughs> but actually, though. <laughs> but actually, though. Yes. But yes. So I did have a section in the outline for miscellaneous thoughts, but we did kind of touch on it already. My only miscellaneous thought with this episode is that Mills was such a boss. Yeah. But we talked yeah, about it. such a boss. Did you have any other random miscellaneous thoughts to throw in nope that's it just a great episode i'm this is a great way to introduce med it really was it really was and if if we do post the link to my old recap disregard the last part where i say that med probably won't make it (laughs) um (laughs) i mean at some point i but i think though at some point, I think you were right to, like, kind of bring up the point. It's kind of like with Justice. Like, at some point, I feel like you can only have so many successful spinoffs of a show at the same time, going at the same time. So, like, you didn't know what, if it was going to be just they were able to have one or two or three or four. And, I mean, I think we've gotten to the point now where I think they can only have three on air at the same time because we all saw how Justice right. went. But, like, you didn't know that at that point. So, like, you could have been wary at, like, not just the fact that, like, Med wasn't good. Like, this that this wasn't a good episode. Just the fact that, like, shit, like, three episodes, three different shows on air at the same time is a lot. It is. And, I mean, to quote the, uh, the great Will Halstead, who I also wanted to punch in this episode, but he also says, he's like, I'm really glad to be wrong. And I was really glad to be wrong in this instance that I was like, you know, I don't think Med's going to do very well. It did well. And now we watch it all the time. And I love it. So, I mean, I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah, agree. So, but yeah, that's, that's about it for this episode. We cracked the two-hour mark, which we seldom do. I know. We had a lot to say. And I think the script obviously helped, but we had a lot to say. I absolutely love that we had the script for this episode. It added so much to this episode. 
For real, though. For real. And I mean, again, like I was saying before, it's a hard job that these writers have. It's a really hard job. So, yeah. Shout out to Derek and Brant for writing a kick-ass episode. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. So, but yeah, that's our episode. So, as always, guys, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's me to St. Molly's right across the board. If you've made it this far, I would really like to think that you like the podcast and you're not just, like, hate listening. If you do indeed love the podcast, please take the time to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. But yes, we are Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Email us, meetusatmolly's at gmail.com. You can email us about anything. It does not have to be one Chicago related. We watch a lot of other shows. You could literally email us and be like, hey, are you watching this? We would love to talk about that. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. And something important that we should mention now. So next week, we will have a new episode. This is going to be a listener's choice episode. We're going to let you guys go ahead and choose what we cover as long as it's a Chicago Med episode. So it's going to be listener's choice, Chicago Med style. I, so go I was going to say, we Med episodes that we have already covered, we've covered obviously the backdoor pilot, which isn't technically Med, but counts. We did the Med pilot. And we did the Med season two finale in prep for season three. And then obviously we've done all of season three. So really just anything otherwise from season one or two. We have an idea of when we might want to do. But really, I mean, we're leaving it up to you guys. We really want to hear your choice, your feedback on which Med episode we should do. Yeah, so tweet us, email us, let us know what episode you think we should cover. And then from there, we'll probably narrow it down to like a little bit of a poll. But yes, guys, let us know what episode of Med you would like to hear us talk about. And that is what we will do for next week. By Monday. By Monday, yes. Please let us know. We We have preparation to do. So yes, let us know by Monday. So that gives you the weekend to kind of think about it. But yeah, let us know. And yeah, everybody have a really good weekend. Enjoy your Labor Day holiday. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.